Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Near. I'm Brett, and in this episode, we discuss our experiences with mobile and handheld gaming. All right, Walker. So, uh, handheld games probably gonna gonna come up first, I'd imagine, because mobile is a little bit later in life for both of us. So, uh, where'd you start? Yeah, I would say the uh, first the first handheld I remember having was a Game Boy, which I maybe as far as I know is the, just the first handheld. I don't know if there was one before that or not. Um, are you aware of yeah, any? I don't. I was trying to think. I don't. I mean, I don't think so maybe i don't yeah. yeah i mean like i in that time i guess the the only thing that would have been before it would have been those like single oh like the tiger games. yeah the t- the tiger where like football and there's just like three that's frames that's of that's actually the first handheld i had yeah like that the lcd style. <laughs> i had like an outrun game or something on mm-hmm. it yep like a little yeah. car that can move in two places or something Ooh, i don't i think these were after game boy had come out and i never had one but uh, maybe worth a an honorable mention is like the little Tamaguchi. Oh yeah, no, Tamaguchis were uh, were a lot later. Um, I, I was thinking like Mr. Game and Watch, which I didn't have one of those either, but I definitely played with a bunch of friends, Tamagotchis, yeah, <laughs> and Digimon. But yeah, so I had um I had a Game Boy, but honestly, the only game I remember I I, I have memories of definitely playing Tetris <laughs> on it. Um, because it wasn't I don't know that it was even really mine. I think it was just like my households the, you know the family game, game boy <laughs> yeah because people would like my sister who's older than me she would come come over and and because she was like an adult when i was a kid and so she would come over and play like tetris and then we would all do like high score turns or whatever you know to nice. see whatever but um and then i remember playing metroid 2 but i was pretty young and it was hard and I don't. I don't. It's kind of a slow game if you, yeah, young young person. I don't think I. I don't think I got far in it, and I don't really remember. But yeah, but really, other than that, I don't really remember owning a lot of Game Boy games or playing a ton of Game Boy games. I had a Game Gear that was the Sega competitor to the Game Boy. Right. Had like a color screen, but it took. I think it took either six or eight double A batteries and they lasted for like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of batteries put in landfills by that thing is. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Well, it actually just turned out that I could only play it really on like, on like trips because that was the only time that my parents were willing to justify the cost of (laughs) buying that many batteries. You know what I mean? Like it was, it's an expensive habit. I mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like eight double a batteries or triple a's even they're about the same price. You're going to be running. I do remember that a lot. Cause I played, there was a Sonic the Hedgehog game that I played on it. And then there was George Foreman boxing that I played a lot on it. And I thought that was super dope. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely think that my first, I don't think I really, owned much of a handheld outside of like the tiger style games i remember having one that was maybe like a space shooting game or so like not quite space invaders Mm -hmm. um or something in that in that similar vein like a sideways style scroller um and maybe a sports i think i had a soccer game that i didn't understand or like and i think i was much more interested in how it operated and worked and like i wanted to take it apart much more than i really cared about playing it um, right yeah that for for me i didn't i didn't 
get into i mean i was mostly pc gaming growing up and it, it wasn't really until like i mean i played other people's of course like anybody that i mean i played tetris on the bus like anyone who finds a friend that has one mm-hmm. um and but i think i think a lot of my like game boy s games really hit now i i mean they hit there was a lot of emulation so before i had a super nintendo emulator i had a game boy emulator and in fact uh there were several game boy games that i got before they were released in u.s markets Mm. um because the game because snes scene wasn't really very strong yet and the internet wasn't very good yet because you couldn't downloading an snes game would still take a while but game boy games were really really small and tight games so you could download a lot of them and there was a, a pretty big community of translators that would translate games, um, like Japanese games and, and port What over. year is this, roughly? Oh, man. So junior high, so I want to say like 97, 98, like, or like late grade school, early junior high. That's wild to me. And, and this is a deviation from a gaming conversation, but just it's like for me back then, my access to the internet was dial-up. And it was through AOL. Yep. And so to me, like the internet was just AOL. Right. So Largely the notion of was. like going and downloading a, a, a game file. So like, I don't think I downloaded anything. You know what I mean? That's like, fair. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I wasn't, browsed. I didn't get like really big into like IRC or anything. Like a couple of my friends who have internet histories older than mine. Um, but I remember, so I remember we had internet before we had AOL um i'm trying to remember if it was like we were just netscape navigator or something um because i remember like aol 3.0 i think was when we really got in like and i have a lot of memories of that but i'm pretty sure we had internet prior to that and i was learning how to find like it was a lot of message boards i remember finding a lot of message boards and i don't know how i stumbled upon game boy emulation as a thing but that was the that was one of the first things i think just searching for like dog go to dog pile or alta vista or whatever mm-hmm. and type in like computer games i want to figure <laughs> out what i could do and right but yeah i actually anyway. <laughs> so i mean you know i don't want to you know jump too far around as far as like you know age or whatever but i i definitely was really impressive so like most game boy games were kind of crap right especially by the time i was in junior high because it's it's you know game boy for both of us was i don't know when when did you get your game boy like what age i mean i i want to say like you know maybe first or second grade and like six right. or seven so the early 90s so by the time i was like 13 14 like 12 13 14 somewhere in there is when i got into game boy emulation that's a good five to seven years mm-hmm. after the the initial game boy like game boy color type stuff um yeah nintendo 64 is out by the right, time right right yeah. but i did remember so I, I downloaded this this game that at the time i thought was really interesting and pretty fun and it was because there i mean a lot of games on game boy super simple games and only like your nintendo main core games like metroid kirby and a few others that had real substance right um but I found this one that was like a, it was like an action RPG. It was really cool. It was about like battling monsters against each other. I was like, man, this thing is pretty wicked. And they've got all these monsters and evolution and stuff. And there's like kind of a storyline with some bad guys called the Rockets or something. And it was like, like pocket monsters. And of course, the translation was not great, but it was Pokemon. 
it, uh-huh. I, I got Pokemon Red and Blue. And mm. actually, I think I just got Red or whatever. But Bulbasaur right. all the way. Suck it. You don't at me. Um, <laughs> I don't know who they are. So right. <laughs> that's, that's for the rest of the internet. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Bulbasaur takes out like the first three gyms solo. So whatever. Um, oh. But yeah, and it was like this fun battling game. Of course, it, it, it wasn't Pokemon. It didn't have, there was no TV show. There was no, and like I played it probably a good six to eight months before the wave, like the Pokemon wave hit the United States. And mm-hmm. I'd even shared it with a couple of friends like, hey, this, you know, which they weren't terribly interested. I think I had like one friend who was willing to go back and play a Game Boy game because he liked RPGs, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was probably one of my, my biggest memory and like when it did come to the u.s i was like oh cool i know this this is that this is that game that's this is the new translation and then it turned into like the seven-year-old craze and the anime show and everything and i had this weird conflicting because i was also like a teenager Mm -hmm. and i was like do i like this because it's a good rpg that i've already played or do i hate this because it's a children's show (laughs) <laughs> like and i didn't like i didn't pikachu was not a great pokemon to just really catch in red and blue and like and i didn't i didn't know that you could get it much earlier than you know most than, than where it normally shows up and so i didn't really care or reference that i was like where's freaking bulbasaur like and why aren't these guys evolving and turning into awesome monsters that wreck face like but it's a kid's show you know so right right so I don't know. That was that's my probably my biggest like Game Boy memory. That and like Kirby Kirby's Dreamland three, mm. where you had the animals, and then like my friend had a Super Nintendo with the Game Boy adapter. I don't remember what mm. the Super Game Boy. I was yeah, you know, trying to remember names, and it's literally the simplest thing ever. But yeah, and so we were playing like Kirby three in color was pretty awesome at his house. Yeah, because you put it on your TV, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's strange because, you know, I owned the, the Game Boy, the Game Gear. In high school, I got a Nintendo Advance. Okay, yeah. That yeah. um, was like the the next-gen handheld. Um, played a couple of games on that. I remember playing a uh, an RPG called Golden Sun that's kind of like a cult-following JRPG at this point. Um, I don't think I actually finished it, but it was cool. Um and then I remember playing actually a Metroid game on that as well that I think was like, <laughs> it might have actually just been Metroid 2 like remastered, but called like Return to something. I can't remember the name I of it I think now. there was Samus Returns and then there was yes. Metroid Fusion. Ooh, it was Fusion. It was that's Fusion. The one okay, yeah. That was like, that's like almost like Metroid 4. Okay. Kind of ish. It it falls later in the series. They haven't done a game past that point in the timeline. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. Which is really kind of a shame because I think things get all that's one of the best games in the series, in my opinion. Gotcha. Um, And then, yeah, bought a a DS when those were out. Not not brand new. You know, I didn't get one. I wasn't like waiting in line for one, but had a DS and then eventually got a 3DS. And so I've owned the handheld, you know, platforms or whatever all throughout. And it's always a giant waste of money for me because I just never actually play it that much. Like, you know, my 3DS that I have now, it's got, I've got games on it that I think are cool games. Like I've got Fire Emblem, I've got Animal Crossing. Um, I've got the the Zelda that came out on 
the, for the 3DS. Um, that was like a standalone title, not not Majora's Mask. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. There, there's good content for it. It's just I, I can't shake. I think the notion that, the, and I was talking to you about this before we we had recorded a few weeks ago or something, but I just can't. I, I, it's hard for me to bring myself to play a handheld game at home because I can just play my PC or a console instead, right. which is much more comfortable. Like I actually just get uncomfortable looking straight down like that, which is kind of bizarre because I can read <laughs> and that's the same posture, that's you fair. know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what, I think it's because when you, when I read though, I end up, especially now with the Kindle, but even before, even before that with books, like I'll still sit in weird positions and change where I'm holding my hand and how I'm at, you know, the actual angle that I'm looking at the book at or whatever. No, I agree with a book. I definitely, well, cause you can like one hand it with like the thumb right. line or Kindle or whatever. You could prop mm-hmm. it up and like put your hands behind your head or under your chin or something like you're laying your stomach. And so you can, right. you can move around. And I agree. I also adjust around a lot, but with something like a game gear, or a game boy, largely you've got to maintain like gamer pose, like elbows locked in the hips, you know, well, and if it's a 3DS and you want to use the 3D screen, then you absolutely have to because the viewing angle, since there's no glasses, it's all, all right. dependent on viewing angle. Yep. So now the angle is very specific that you have to hold it at, which you can use the slider and turn the 3D off. But but then why'd know, you get a 3DS? Kind of, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was actually really impressed with the 3DS, and I was... I, I am too. I was surprised that more handheld games pre-mobile gaming didn't take advantage of like almost um, oh, augmented reality type stuff, like having a, a camera or even like a, there were a few, there were a couple that tried with like barcode sensors or something where you could scan in physical things. Right. Cause I thought that was kind of one of the cool things about having handheld is being able to like venture out into the world. Right. And, or even just have something like, Almost kind of like we had discussed, like a Hearthstone style game, only with a tabletop element, right? Or a board mm-hmm. game that had a video game element. I always thought would have been something that that took off more, and it always was a couple of gimmicky things attempted it, but it, it never went anywhere. And I was just, I was always kind of perplexed by that. Yeah, I think that the the the, the space that um, handheld gaming and and you know i'm not an expert on it this is just some different articles i've read over the years and and frankly my best memory of them so (laughs) i may be inaccurate but um but yeah my understanding is that you know from a hardware perspective you know fine produce your device but but ultimately the you know in all gaming the the money is not in the hardware the money's in the software right and it's just really hard to get really good development of, of, of those kinds of games. Nintendo has the leg up because they can make all their first party IPs. Um, now, obviously Pokemon is not exclusively a Nintendo thing or right. There's a I few mean, breakouts, but there are, but generally it's, it's first party stuff. Right. And if it's not first party stuff, it's Japanese stuff, right? I mean, for <laughs> like every Pokemon. breakout, there's definitely like two to 300, like, clearance store bin boxes full Mm. of the most random games right so i think that it's just hard to get i mean because you know you look at sony i mean they did the the psp and then they did the vita i think it was called oh yeah that's right order backwards but i don't think so either way whatever but 
and and like the direction they tried to take it is like well what if you could still play the same games on handheld so they tried to take it to where like you've got a game on ps3 well now you can have it on your vita and if you've got to run to work you can shut off your ps3 and start playing pick it back right back up on your your handheld while you're commuting to work or whatever yeah um i definitely remember being impressed by the playstation the psp and the vita both like they had they were impressive in the amount of power that was being put in them (laughs) yeah well and people were like i knew some people that were like modding and hacking them or Mm -hmm. whatever and yeah they were they were really really robust little devices but it's it's the same problem though like there's just not sony doesn't have first party titles like mario to lean on right. or Yoshi or Zelda or something. They just, they don't have, even if it's not an IP franchise like Mario, like, you know, Nintendo can make a Yoshi's Island game or a Luigi's Mansion game, which isn't even a, a main stay, you know, title. That's not a good phrase, have, but you know what I'm saying? a robust like, universe to pull from. Yeah. And it, and it, and people are willing to buy it, but you know, like I might buy a Rayman game, but I don't even know who any other character in Rayman is. And I certainly would not look at a Rayman spinoff characters solo game, you know, but I would look at Luigi's mansion or something. Same with like crash bandicoot or yeah, yeah, exactly. As as a side character in that game that takes off. So, right. No, I agree. Yeah. I think there's also, I mean, I think the other thing that mobile games have have struggled with um, for a long time is just simply that, and I think we've probably spoken to this to some extent through, excuse me, through the other episodes, but, you know, the the thing that gaming has chased for most of our lives is visual fidelity. Like, that was always the thing that pushed the next technology. Right. So, you know, whether that be any of the old school consoles or when we finally jumped to to HD or, or, or now in the most recent iteration where the jump is from, you know, to more of a 60 FPS block instead of 30, but it's always that visual fidelity and, and mobile games outside of the examples of the PlayStation handhelds. uh, They just don't, they just don't look that, that way. And, and certainly I can argue (laughs) for a long time that the visual quality is not the most important characteristic of a game, but there's, there's a lot of people that feel that way. And, I don't know. I think that there's just a, an inherent struggle there to become mass market, the most popular thing ever when, when, when it just doesn't look that good. Well, you know? and I, I definitely agree. I think there's a, a feeling at least kind of that I always had of, I can get the current generation on my television or the equivalent of the last generation in a handheld. Right. It feels like it's second rate. And if you're going to play a second rate game, and you're going to play, and, you know, again, this is more me, and I feel like it's a second-rate experience because I'm I'm choosing not to play my console or my computer, so instead I can sit on the couch and play this handheld that's this tiny screen, and I have to sit in a certain way, like, why would I do all that, you know? <laughs> um, clearly, these industries have existed for 20 years, though, so my sentiment is not the prevailing one, uh, because despite them not being, you know, the equivalent of consoles they've there's still been enough of a market for them for them to to thrive i think my life uh lifestyle isn't necessarily the right word but just when i was a kid i didn't have to ride a bus you know what i mean like i either went to like an after school daycare type situation or got picked up and and taken home um or walked home later in life yep uh i don't know so i just it it, there wasn't really a if i had to sit on a bus or 
go and wait somewhere for my parent to get off work for a long time, then I think I probably would have had a lot more time with those handheld games growing up. I mean, I definitely always wished I I would have had one. It was just because of the cost of not just the unit, but also the games and Mm -hmm. like my allowance versus Christmas and birthday presents, which happen like two weeks apart. You also know of the Christmas birthday present. I I'm, I'm sure. But, Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those things where it was just like, it really, I, I was always pretty like financially conscious, even as a kid. And I was like, man, I can get like one $20 Lego set. That's going to offer me endless experiences, or I can get, you know, one game for a game boy. And that like the equivalent, the amount of time, like 20 bucks was probably equal to like, maybe a couple of months worth of, of allowances. Right. Uh, definitely at least a month late, like when I got to $5 allowances, you know, but so yeah, like it, it, the, the, the cost to, to amount of play, I was like, that game's going to have to last me a whole month. And it's not as good as like a PC game, which was, you know, always a step ahead of consoles. So it was like right. two steps behind what I was used to playing. And I was right. just like, nah, it's not worth it. I'd rather get some Legos or some art supplies or something that I can, you know, get a lot of use out of. So, right, yeah. I mean, and then you, you know, I, I, talking about handhelds, obviously, the the kind of the final version of that so far is the the Switch, where it's it's both. It's a console and a handhold handheld all in one device, um, which I think is actually really smart on their part because it it solves the problem of splitting your market and it solves the problem of having developers make a game for a console versus a handheld. Cause it's all just, you know, one environment. Right. Um, and I mean, a lot of value for people that want that. I currently don't have a switch and you know, I think about getting one. The only reason I would want one is for first party titles. Um, and yeah, the, the handheld side of it doesn't really hold a lot of value to me as far as making me want to rush out the door and get one. But I think it's really cool technology. I think it's really cool that they did that. I definitely want one. It's I don't have one yet either. It uh, in the same token that I haven't purchased a lot of things lately. We're uh, shoring up on some pretty our first time like pretty big purchases. Uh, the wife and I, as far as like really being able to shape up our home and do some pretty awesome stuff. But I feel like in maybe another six or eight months, um, you know, I'll definitely be at a point where it's like okay, major purchases out of the way everything's paid off. Everything's good. Now I can start spending some fun money. And it's not that I, I mean, I, like I said, I want to switch, but I also, I'm, I'm not buying anything right now, you know, and we've kind of chatted about that and it's not like we're not in a bad place. We're actually in a really good place. And I think that encourages me to not spend more than to spend. So, right. Yeah. And, and it's, again, I think I, I, I actually kind of like the portability and I, I, didn't used to be about the portability because especially one thing that always kind of drove me crazy was being able to see pixels and that's not really a thing that you get a lot anymore and especially in you know the the screens that were that started coming out as cell phones got better and like that's that the the amount of pixels they're cramming into a squared like millimeter is getting ridiculous and so yeah like i'm i'm a lot cooler running around with a portable and not seeing the individual, you know, green, red <laughs> LEDs in there. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, and, you know, to be, to be fair to the graphics quality of it all, you know, I, as we've talked about before, 
the indie game revolution or whatever you want to call it that came about in the in the late aughts, <laughs> 2008 or so, um, really kind of shook up the ground on or, or the the you know the current the mo if you will on on for a game to be considered a serious attempt at a game, it needs to look amazing. And instead, you know, now there are games that are tons of games that are intentionally designed with a retro aesthetic or whatever. Um, so I, you know, I certainly, and I, I love that. I think it looks great. Well, yeah, so there's I'm, also a lot more depth and complexity in that retro style. Like it's, there may be retro style art, but they still, they still outcompete on number of sprite sheets and amount of story and amount of things like they can do. You can do a, a game like Shovel Knight that looks very, you know, close to an, like a 16-bit era style game, but it has infinitely more depth of, you know, high quality music and, and you know, HD music, mm-hmm. even if it is you know, chiptune or whatever, there's still like 50 tracks and 100 levels and whatever versus mm-hmm. like nine in a Mega Man style game, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so with mobile gaming, then I mean, I guess the the earliest mobile game that I remember ever playing would be on one of those old school Nokia phones, and it would just be like Snake. Oh yeah, Snake. I didn't <laughs> have like a a Nokia. I had I got in with like the Samsung flip phones, like the little gray mm. clamshell ones. But I remember, I think it was Chuzzle, which was mm. like a it was kind of a bejeweled style game except the board oh, okay. is always full and instead of instead of matching three in a row by swapping two places you had to shove an entire column or an entire row by like sliding uh. it and it'll like you know pac-man across the screen it'll screen wrap vertically and horizontally and then if you match like four in a square it would turn into a giant one that forced you to move two rows or two columns at once right mm. and then you're trying to match and, and clear points i remember putting way more time into that game than <laughs> i should have <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah i um i don't really remember any other i mean i probably tetris or something i played on an old school cell phone but i don't really remember playing games on phones pre-smartphone that much i don't really know what the I mean, because there wasn't app stores yet, so there wasn't really a good marketplace for people to put games out. So right. I, don't, I don't really know that there was that much of a, a scene. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I think I got, had like a Minesweeper style game yeah. um, on on my first one. But no, my, I mean, the, my first cell phone definitely was 90% for texts and phone calls after 9 p.m. <laughs> right, right, right. But no, smartphones, that's a whole different story. And that, that takes the discussion on on a launch pad you know like there's an explosion of gaming that happens when smartphones hit the scene yeah it's one that i still feel um largely out of touch with because i you know I've, I've definitely played some different mobile games and have tried different things um probably my favorite mobile game that i've ever played would be the one that you brought up earlier which isn't a mobile game by design but that would be hearthstone and i don't even you know play it now but that's probably the most time i've spent on a mobile game um you're a balloons player too though right yeah but i i played on pc Ah, that's right that's right yeah i don't play it on my phone um i and and now to be fair balloons is an example of a game i mean i would say that it's and maybe just the greatest tower defense game ever created. No, it definitely is. And I think I I'm, it's fair that like, so I have a tablet as well. And I would uh, say yeah. while I have a lot of 
phone, like smartphone gaming that I've done, um, maybe as an attempt to recoup those child years where I didn't have a Game Boy. <laughs> I will say that for like ga- like mobile gaming, I definitely will fire up the tablet more than the cell phone. Actually, maybe one of my earliest memories of mobile gaming, which I didn't actually participate in, but you and I worked together at a, another company a decade ago, and everyone, and I don't know if you participated in this or not, but a, a lot of the people that we talked to were all playing this game that used the real world map. Yep. And then there was all these different factions or whatever that people were on. You know what I'm talking so about? So I'm pretty much one of two pe- like two or three people that introduced that game to our workplace that was parallel kingdoms there we go thank you (laughs) and that was the first augmented reality game that i had played that predates pokemon go it predates um oh crap what's the geocaching or whatever it's yeah it does actually predate well it doesn't predate the activity of geocaching but it definitely Mm. predates that fad of it getting popular yeah well what the company that made pokemon go had a game it's not geocaching, it's but Ingress. they had. Yes, yeah, it pre- so Parallel Kingdoms predates Ingress by a pretty good chunk, like by a good number of years. And yeah, that game was awesome. I had a friend that worked for uh, uh, T-Mobile, in, and uh, he introduced it to me. He was like, "Hey, you've got a newer phone." this game and i was like no man i don't want it like knowing my location and stuff he's like no it doesn't work like that you can go all over the world and stuff in it but it just uses a real world map and that was a really fun game that was an intense game and it lived for a good long time before it finally- well, i mean wasn't it really kind of the a precursor i mean not now obviously these other games that i'm about to mention don't use augmented reality but wasn't it kind of like an early version of like a Clash of Clans or yeah, no, it definitely MMORTS basically. It was it was a real world MMORTS, and you could claim territory and fight and get levels, and there were dungeons and raids that you could go on, and like clanning and joining a clan meant that I mean you had to capture and defend real territory with like these little flags. And I think a flag would give you something like a three block radius or so of territory claimed. Mm-hmm. And you could only jump between certain points until you had skills enough to like fly further and whatnot. But it wasn't, it was a very in-depth game. I could probably go on that for a, a long tangent on that, but it had a lot of systems baked into it and really not as many bugs as you would think from a game that was kind of a breakout hit before breakout hits in mobile gaming that was still not super early in mobile gaming but early enough that people were not talking about mobile gaming in a good light on the internet yet (laughs) yeah well i think i mean it was also just it was early in smartphone time right because like my memory of pk as everyone referred to it back then uh was that i hated it and i was super annoyed by it but that's because I didn't have a smartphone, <laughs> so I couldn't participate. So I would try and hang out on break or whatever, and everyone's just staring at their phones and talking about their next PK move. And <laughs> we I had don't to, care. You know? we, it was it was interesting because it was like it's like real. Because for me, I didn't you know I wasn't in WoW, so I didn't get the WoW raid experience or anything like that. Oh right. But that's what it was for me because you would plan like okay, we want to attack this clan. But when you started an attack, like, you know, a a clan would suddenly 
be on alert. And so you had to plan sometimes days in advance of how close can we get before they realize that that's what we're doing and how can we set mm-hmm. up the attack and swoop in and make enough. And then, you know, schedule everybody getting everybody's schedules together. Like, okay, at like 6 PM tonight, we have right. to launch this. So everybody take your break and then we'll launch it. And if we can do it right, we get it done super fast before they can react or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so, so then, you know, Fast forward a bit, I get a smartphone. Probably the first smartphone game I played. I don't know. That's probably not true. I don't know. I, I have I have memories of trying Minecraft on my phone pretty quickly after getting my phone. Right. Because uh, I'd already played it on PC. And I thought it was neat, but again, it was like, why would I do this instead of on my PC? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I, I don't really have a long period of time where I'm away from my PC where I can also game. Like, so if I'm at work at the office, fine, but I'm not hanging out playing games on my phone at that time. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, Sa- so. Same with like Terraria, which again, I mean, both Minecraft mm-hmm. and Terraria, the mobile versions didn't have the same content as mm-hmm. the, the PC version or the web version or whatever. Right, right. And just harder to control because you're having to do it all, you're having to press on the screen and maybe me because I have giant sausage finger hands or something, like <laughs> I just can't see the screen now. I don't know, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's strange. But yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, I guess, actually also how how closely tied in the, the kind of explosion of mobile gaming uh, on smartphones like we're talking about. I wonder how closely that's tied to the explosion of Facebook games. I just I was talking yeah. with someone about that just the other day because someone sent me a Facebook game thing and I was like, oh my god, I didn't know this still existed. <laughs> you know, like I'd forgotten about it. But I remember, you know, you go to, to 2010 and that was that was all anyone was doing. Remember Classic how much we all hated Farmville? Farmville? Yep. Yes. Yep. But Farmville is just a really early version of an idle game. Yeah. It, in between hated. an idle game and like a um, animal crossing sort of thing. Right. But it was, I mean, and it was funny because I remember everyone that I knew that was a gamer hated Farmville (laughs) and couldn't believe it existed. And then fast forward seven, eight years later and the idle gaming scene is huge. There's tons of idle games, you know, and they're not tied to Facebook, but, um, I think that's a lot of people that I knew that hated Farmville either secretly loved it or (laughs) only hated it because, their parents played it or like right. and like suddenly gaming was accessible to every everyone everyone like it was always accessible but people didn't right. see it as like mainstream like gamers were nerds and or geeks or whatever there was some you just they weren't gonna make it anywhere in life they were you know people just uh you know getting getting their kicks off by playing games and not doing not participating in society like they weren't gonna you know go to college and become doctors they were just gamers in people's basements and then all of a sudden out of nowhere oh grandma's a gamer right and i think if it took the i mean mainstream gamers media took everybody hated on mobile gaming for a long time and i think a lot of it was because suddenly their little sacred space of the internet or whatever was open to everyone and they didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's, I don't know. I think that um, it's just something you see in all across all genres though. Like anytime someone 
recognizes like, hey, if we just made this a little bit more accessible, we could get way more people into this. The people who were in it before that change are usually pretty upset about it. Right. Like the MMO community versus World of Warcraft, right? Which we did a whole episode, so I won't go <laughs> into that in great detail. Right. But just to say that like MMOs used to cater to like a D&D crowd, then WoW comes in and now WoW it starts out kind of catering to that same crowd and then slowly recognizes that, hey, we can just make this stuff more accessible and more and more people will buy in. And, and they were absolutely right. Um, and But to, in the same way that, that mobile gaming kind of helped normalize gaming, which is still not done across the board. I think there's still some of those kind of stigmas that you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think, you know, I think WoW did the same thing for MMOs. I mean, before before World of Warcraft, if you played EverQuest, like, you're pushing your glasses up your nose kind of thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, people are not impressed. But if you play WoW, I mean, everyone... Oh, well, the jock WoW. plays WoW, too, you know. Right, right. I, um, I think that um, there's also something to be said where it's it's less... You hear less stigma about mobile gaming now, especially because there are a lot of cross-platform games even now that you know you can play on mobile and PC um, mm -hmm. or tablet games because there's a lot of really good tech games on tablets and stuff now. But I think now it's changed to casual gamers are the ones that it kind of gets some of that stigma and hate now. Like, oh, Bejeweled's not a real game. Oh, you know which whatever it is it's tetris like <laughs> i have no idea what if the stat is still true now but i know within the last few years i had read that the number one selling game of all time is kim kardashian's dress-up game or whatever it's called on mobile like that's the number one selling game across all platforms of all time people like us would say well that's not a real game right. well well i mean <laughs> I can't say it's, I can't it's, say it's not a real game. I would probably not, it's not my kind of game and I don't mm -hmm. care about it. And I kind of yeah. am aghast at its popularity. However, I, I was a fashion framer in Warframe. Like I, right. I wanted to dress up my crazy biotech spacesuit to make it look cool. Well, our friend, our friend, our friend, Megan, that, that, you know, she, um, she was telling me that her husband was constantly playing destiny. And I was like, Oh yeah. What do you think about that? And she was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. Most of the time, it's just him sitting around trying different dresses on, it looks like. <laughs> and that's because in Destiny, all the characters wear, like, dusters, right. you know? So it actually does kind of look like that. And I was like, well, I'll tell you what. You should download the Kim Kardashian game and then play that. <laughs> and then when he says, what are you doing? Say, I'm doing what you're doing. And then he'll say, Destiny's not on the phone. And then you say, yeah, we're both playing dress match game. <laughs> and then you show him the Kim Kardashian game. And he can't say anything because you're right. <laughs> and she was like, that's good. And then she went and did it and it worked. Oh, so. <laughs> God, that's so awesome. It is It is true, though. Like It's my favorite thing is to feed proxy attacks to other people. I love it. Because oh, then you I get all it. the satisfaction without any of the accountability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not the asshole that time. That one time, I'm not the one. I mean, you me. are. Because you're the source, but they don't know. But they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless they listen to our show. Oh uh, well, you just outed yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, too bad. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be mad anymore. No, Past I can't. The... So, so yeah. So I mean, obviously, I, I kind of started talking about Parallel Kingdoms, but um, what would you say your doesn't have to be favorite, but I don't know what's a what's a mobile game that really stands out to you as an exceptional game because you've you've had a lot more time with them than I have. I mean, 
it, there's kind of like all time standouts and then there's like recent things, right? So we had talked, sure. like you and I recently have both talked, I introduced you to Archero or Archero oh, yeah, or I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, I don't know if it's Archer O or Archer O or like Archer. Archero. It's not Archer I O because it's not an I O. No, game. there's no I. Yeah. Well, there's there's no I. Oh, okay. So, so it's just our like Archero. But it's a yeah. and it sucks because it's one of those games that there's and there's a lot of this now of just the false advertising in gaming. I don't know if you see them on. So like I'm, you know, we'd mentioned kind of Facebook. Every now and again, I'll see this ad for like a can you save the princess or loot the thing, and it looks like this puzzle game, right? Where mm-hmm. you like, like there's a trap set up and you have to slide elements around and it like always shows like, oh, you failed. Can you win? That's actually not the game at all. The game is actually like a, a Clash of Clans style game. But all of the advertisements make it seem like there's hundreds of different puzzles to solve because there's just a bunch of these different adverts and they're all these little. What game is this? I, God, I would have to pull up Facebook and wait oh. for it to advertise to me. Gotcha. <laughs> Because it's just always, to be clear, this is not Archero. No, so. yeah, no, sorry, but the story comes so Archero is a game that I picked up um, because of an ad in another game, right? Oh, so I saw because the advertisement was this like it looked kind of like a tower defense, right? There was like a maze, mm-hmm. like a spiral maze, and there were enemies walking down through it, and you controlled a little archer guy walking through the maze, shooting the enemies, and like trigger an ability that shoots through like 10 of them or whatever, and then picking up gold and stuff, right? But mm-hmm. it looks like a tower defense style game, except you controlled a single character in and it even had like a split screen, like two players playing, or maybe it was just like mm. pro versus noob or mom versus kid or whatever. And like mm-hmm. one person was shooting through like 10 guys at a time as they were walking down the rail. And the other guy was like sh- taking four or five arrows to kill one or something. And I was like, I mean, mm. being a, a fan of tower defense style games, as well as being a fan of like, I don't mind, especially with mobile games, picking up a game for like a day or an hour and then just deleting it off my phone. And mm. a lot of people don't realize that you don't even have most of the time, if it asks you for like your Google play account or whatever, you can just say deny and then skip and you don't have to attach it to your email or your like location oh, wow. or anything. Yeah. Most now, not all, some games require you to have an account, but a lot of games don't. And mm-hmm. so I just skip all that stuff. So they're not getting anything off of me and and, you know, play them for a little bit, good or bad or whatever. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try this game out. Tried it out, and it actually was not a tower defense game at all. Archero is not a tower defense game. It's much more a, almost like an ARPG. Like, That's what I would yeah, say. It's, it's an ARPG roguelike. Yeah, an ARPG roguelike um, with roguelite elements where you you progress outside of the game, um, where you can get, like, better gear and stuff for your next run. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed that game lately, but it was sold to me deceptively. I downloaded mm. it because I was expecting a tower defense game. I got an action RPG. I got a really good one. I mean, I think yeah. I think it it boils down the essence. I mean, you had mentioned we had kind of talked, you know, previously about it, about how mm-hmm. you thought Diablo games were mostly figure out where to stand. And it's just the only really compelling choice that you make. That's like, fair. You, your damage and stuff. It's kind of like just how do you want it to look? but it doesn't really matter for the most part. Right. And our, and our Chero definitely just is a hundred percent. Your character automatically fires every, however often their attack speed is. Yeah. If, as long as you're stopped and you just have to either move. And when you stop moving, you shoot 
and it'll shoot at the closest enemy it targets, and then you move out of the way of attacks. Mm-hmm. But it gets complex in the like each each level each screen is a puzzle or not a puzzle, but each room you walk into, there'll be different monster sets and different setups mm-hmm. of guys that jump on you, guys that shoot at you, and it gets more and more complex to the point where you have to really get good at like kiting around and figuring out when to shoot and figuring out what upgrades to take and well that's what i was going to say is like it also every time you level which is every couple of screens um it brings up the like usually three different choices for a skill upgrade and and that might be shooting arrows out of the sides now as well or at a diagonal or an extra arrow in the front or it could be fire damage or ice damage or it could be your arrows bounce off walls now or, or whatever and I actually think that the game does a really good job of making those choices interesting because it's random what options you get every every time you level, every run. Um, so you kind of have to like, you know, theory craft is probably a bit of a stretch <laughs> for what you're doing in that game. But well, you have to min-max you, to what you're offered as well as yeah, also exactly. get kind of lucky. Right, exactly, exactly. And then also with the meta, if we call you know, I don't know what else you would call it, but the, the meta progression that's outside of each individual run, um, I didn't really understand that at first because it took a little while for me to unlock any new gear or anything. Right. But like eventually I unlocked this little bat familiar that shoots a laser beam that goes through walls. Like, that's awesome. I had no idea that was in this game. You know? Right, and then you get like um, different weapon choices to fit yeah, your style of game. Yep. But yeah, I thought it was, I think it's a neat little game. Now, all that being said, it does still very much fall into a category where I probably play at most five to 10 minutes at a time. And that's maybe once or twice a day, if at all, in, a, in a given day. So but it's a lot more, uh, as opposed to a lot of more idle style games or even like the Clash of Clans style games and stuff, I think it offers you a lot more gameplay experience for your quote-unquote energy because it has an energy recharge mechanic you can average about four games um per like you know four hours or something i don't know how long it takes for the energy However, recharge cycle is because right. i don't play i'm like you i'll play one or two maps if i get through um if i die really quick i'll you know play a second map or i'll just right. you know, play one map can take you 10 to 15 minutes like yeah. you can easily yeah. spend 15 to maybe even 20 minutes playing through an entire dungeon and getting trying to get to the end of it and then by that time i mean you usually feel pretty good about it you're i mean if you want to play more you have enough energy to play like an hour to an hour and a half without how and by the time you use 20 energy because each map's going to take you 10 or 15 minutes unless you're just dying a lot you've actually usually recharged like it, i played the first or second day i played it i actually played it pretty consecutively and I had mm-hmm. recharged enough energy to not use any of the boosters that I had or any of the stuff just because I played four games in a row and that recharged enough energy to play a fifth. Yeah, well, and, and I think I just like it because, like I said, like it, I just feel like there's there's a lot of little interesting quirks and little reward loops that are fun. And um, it feels like I'm playing a game as opposed to, and you know, I guess we'll kind of pivot a little bit, but (laughs) this is a conversation you and I have had several times over the years, but you know, when it comes to those idle style games, um, the, the one that I played most recently was adventure communist, but you know, I've also played idle minor tycoon or uh, realm grinder or adventure capitalist. 
I've tried a few, you know, a few different ones and I end up having to take them off my phone somewhat <laughs> promptly because it definitely just triggers the compulsive like lizard brain thing or whatever, where I just see that there's like, there's a green shiny button for you to press and I press it and then a number gets bigger and then that just keeps happening. But I'm not actually making decisions because past a point in those games, usually you're only kind of upgrading one thing at a time unless it's the point in the game where you restart, you know, the cycle prestige, if you will, <laughs> and uh, and start over, you know, with now higher multipliers or whatever. Then there's a kind of a flurry of activity, but there's just, I, I just don't feel like I'm making interesting decisions. I feel like I'm just clicking because the game said, hey, there's something here for you to click. So, you know, let's go hop to. And uh, I actually just feel like bad in my soul about it <laughs> after a little while. Like it really gives me anxiety. Like I thought it, I thought I was being over dramatic, And then just a couple weeks ago, tried Adventure Communist. And yeah, I had to take it off within a few days because I, I told you I had a dream. I woke up and I had been dreaming about it. And it's like, there's nothing to even dream about. Right. It's just watching. I was like, how? Progress were, bars. Were you, I know. Were you dreaming about the tablet, like. <laughs> I mean, in my dream, I'm literally just seeing. Like, I'm. It's like I'm still just playing the game in my dream. Like in my dream, I'm still just seeing the same stuff that's on the screen. Like I'm just seeing new things that I need to upgrade. And I mean, if it was no. all animated and there were guys running around and stuff, and it. Yeah, no, there was no themed. adventure. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I have the most boring. <laughs> I, like. If anyone ever wanted to have the most boring dreams ever, then I invite you into my mind. <laughs> I have friends that have dreams where they fly and they go on adventures or they do like really violent, like zombie slaughter, you know, as the zombies raid the hotel, whatever, whatever cool video game-esque dream that they have. I literally, I used to live in an apartment with a roommate and we had our a third buddy that was always coming over. And so pretty much every day of my existence was get up, go into the living room. Two dudes are in there. Hey, what's up, guys? Sit down on my computer. We start hanging out and play games, whatever. I would have dreams where that was the dream. I would, in the dream, wake <laughs> up, go into the living room. Hey, what's up, guys? Sit and talk to them. Except it's even less rewarding than the real life experience because it's not even them. It's just my projections. <laughs> of them. See, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely have very adventurous dreams. My problem is that they're all nightmares, but... <laughs> I it's it's weird because I'll wake up terrified or like just shooken, but they're also mm. really badass nightmares. Mm. So it, it I have the like I have lots of apocalypse dreams where like surviving like Noah's Ark level biblical floods in some future tech world where everybody has like Batman gear. And, mm. you know, some giant gator monster will chase me and, you know, try to kill it. My gun runs out of ammo and it like tears my leg off and then I like get shaken awake. So I'm like, I'm actually terrified because I feel like I just have my leg ripped off. But I'm also like, that was really cool. I had a laser grappling hook. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like the most intense, and I'll stop talking about my dreams. I know this is very boring, but the most intense dream sequence I can remember in the last decade is I was on, I was in a hotel room because I was on some work trip. And so I don't know if that being in a weird place and, and it being a work trip or whatever had that on my brain. But I, um, I was having, I had work dreams and I had like five work dreams back to back that I thought were independent. 
And I like I kept waking up after each one and being like, oh, my God, well, at least it's probably time to get up now. Two in the morning. Like, oh, man. OK, back to sleep. Another dream. Wake up. All right. Well, now it's time to get up three in the morning. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> and so then eventually I have the fifth one in the fifth one explicitly references stuff that happened in the first dream I had had in that oh. night, like a bad TV series. And I was like, no, no, be cooler than that. Like, why can't I fight Diablo or something? You know what I mean? Right. Like, why can't I do something cool in my dream? No, I just, I play idle games in my dreams. That's, that's what I do. So, so, so my problem with idle games, I definitely, so like my big start on them was like clicker heroes and that was pretty shortly after Cookie Clicker like took off. I wasn't into that one, but Hero Clicker or Clicker Heroes rather, all about it. Yeah. And I got one other friend pretty big into it, and we were discussing like, strats and stuff or whatever. As much as you can strat in a, I mean, you have some choices, but like you said, they're not really that important. But the problem that that game gave me is I was also playing Path of Exile at the time. Mm. and in the clicker heroes game you collect heroes you also collect like gear and you can get minions to go out to do quests for you to try to find gear to like equip and stuff and ever i mean as all i almost all idle games are it's about just making the numbers go bigger mm-hmm. but it ruined me being able to play <laughs> path of exile because yep. that game required me to go walk around and click on things a bunch and hit numbers and try to know where to stand to get gear to make the numbers go bigger. Yeah, I mean that. Well, and that's my that's my problem with ARPGs these days is that it does feel like it is just a clicker game, except that you choose where to stand. Also, right? But that's it. And as long as and honestly, in a game like Diablo, with and again separate episode that we already did so won't go on for too long but but a game like Diablo you've got so many difficulty settings now that if you're dying a lot then you're probably just playing on too hard of a setting you know like right just the game. there's a hundred difficulty levels anyway just tweak it down a couple notches you're fine right whereas like Diablo 2 there's three settings and so it actually is just hard sometimes depending on where you're at with your level of gear and, and abilities versus you know, the content that you're in. Right. So but I, in Diablo 3, no. Did I ever share with you, I think it's called The Crank. It's an idle game. Mm-hmm. So this one's a web game, but um, there might be a version on mobile. It actually, so it's an idle game. And like most idle games, you start by just being able to click on one thing. Or this one's like a click and hold the mouse button instead of like click a bunch of times or whatever. But mm. you essentially, all there is, there's like a little text box on the screen and you're in a dark room and all there is is a crank. And when you click and hold on the crank, you start spinning it. And when you start spinning, it fills up this little power bar and the lights come on. And it shows you all these other things that you can click on and interact with. And there's this little story that starts unfolding. And you like fix a, gen- a, a, you know, a generator or something else. You fix like a computer. And now you've got a HUD. And you start getting a display. And these little chunks of story about this person who's abandoned and doesn't know what's going on. And... As you progress, it turns into an idle game where you can like make little robots that turn the crank and they burn up so often so you can upgrade them mm. or and they can craft other things. You, you know, the robots are made from like batteries and metal and scrap and stuff. And it, it evolves into this pretty in-depth idle style game. I think it took me a, a couple of days. There is actually like you can beat it, right? 
Right. And and there's a there's an actual story, and it's a very dis- they really lean on the discovery element of you have no idea what's going on. You're in an empty room with a crank, and you click the crank, and you turn it, and the lights come on, and now you get another chunk of story. And so it's actually kind of it, it's strangely immersive for an idle game, which I don't know mm-hmm. how I can say that, but it's it's really good. I think it's called The Crank. Um, you can <laughs> find it on like any discussion board of like best idle games of all time. I think is how I found it, like a Reddit thing. But it was I tried to do that a couple weeks ago, and Adventure Communist was what everyone said. It's so. <laughs> a good one. I I mean I actually do have Adventure Communist installed. I haven't played it in a couple weeks, but. I, I was playing it every day for a while. And as I you know, told you, I actually did one of those like play another game for free gold type things in which I played mm-hmm. another game. It took me because I wanted to do one of the really good ones. that gives you like 3000 gold because I wanted it. And I spent a month playing a game <laughs> that I did not like that was terrible. <laughs> and I had to look online to find strats because there were so many things going on that I just wanted to know how to get my castle to level 15 or whatever and just want to know the best way to do that without investing inside things or accidentally spending something on something I didn't need to get to that goal. Took me a month to get there. Get and In fact, was it that one? No, I think it's someone. I actually have done a couple of these. None, none of them. This one was the one that took a month. Others were like, you know, a week or a couple of days type things. Mm-hmm. But and I get to the end of it, I get my 3,428 gold or whatever, go in, buy one of the chests that, like, give you a bunch of rare stuff. Because, like, yeah, I can finally spend some of this, get some rare stuff. This is, like, $20 worth of gold. And it was worth it. It was totally worth it. And somehow I ended up, like, tapping on some other thing or the screen. Like, I scrolled the screen instead of tapping and then tapped on a thing and didn't realize that I had also spent, like, another 1,200 gold on something that I did not need at all, like a time Mm. skip or something. And I was just like, I just, that's, like, two and a half weeks worth of work that I just put into getting nothing i was like okay well i'm done with this game now that's good that was great i had fun that's two games i can delete now like (laughs) (laughs) i didn't delete it i came back to it a week later but i don't play it that really anymore it's not bad but yeah i don't know with idle games you know prior to you know at first i didn't didn't know anything about them then i actually read some articles about them and i was like okay i'm gonna try one so i tried one did it for a couple of weeks, felt bad about myself, decided that those games suck your soul out and decided not to play them. Then in talking with you and a couple other friends, decided that I was being pretentious about it and that I should give it another go. Um, So I did. And yeah, at this point, I don't actually have a stance on idle games that they are evil or bad or wrong or that people shouldn't play them. It's more just that I can confidently say that it just makes me feel bad <laughs> so <That's fair. laughs> just like if i was gonna eat like i don't know if i eat fried chicken and that made me feel sick i just wouldn't eat it i might not investigate why what reaction is going on in my body that makes it <laughs> makes me feel sick um, i would say for the large know? part that idle games are the taco bell of gaming it's, it seems like a great idea when you're drunk at two o'clock in the morning and you wake up the next day feeling terrible and yeah. you end up thinking about idle games on the toilet a lot. So, you know, there's some, right. there's some, some, some layers there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I want to, so 
you know, idle games as for what they are, I think there are a few of them that have some redeeming qualities, kind of like the crank. Even though towards the end that game actually gets into a real slog if you don't pay really close attention to the story. It can take mm. a very long time. Once you've already basically completed everything, there's a point that can still take a very long time to complete, even when you are overpowered and everything is super mm. easy to do. Um, but it does have an end, and I thought that was kind of cool. That is good. Um, it does just restart, but it, it doesn't give you any bonuses when you restart. It's just like... <laughs> it's finally a legit right. actual... it's just the, It's just the <laughs> ending. Um, right spoiler but (laughs) Um, i think we're fine but i do want to kind of go back because there were some other really big breakout mobile games that that had some pretty big influence on me and i think it's really hard to talk about mobile gaming without talking about pokemon go um Mm. or to some others i'd also had some friends who were big into ingress as well um we did not get as well into ingress mostly because our smartphones sucked at the time that ingress was popular with our friend group and we had our neighbors played ingress a lot and both of our phones mm. just sucked. And when we got new phones, Pokemon Go came out. So we just kind of moved on to that. Um, yeah. Pokemon Go is, and certainly I'll have you elaborate because I didn't play it that much. But I mean, when it came out, when it came out, I thought it was really interesting and I thought I would get really into it. But then, and again, I only played it at launch. so I don't know how it's changed, but I, I didn't actually find that it felt like I was really playing Pokemon. That's um, fair. I didn't but either. the popularity of it was nuts. I mean, I remember trying to go to like lunch at work and people making me take, you know, oh hey, pull off into this church here or whatever. It's a I don't know, a dungeon or I don't Stop know what it's called. Whatever. But yeah, it's some something that they want to take over that they can get, you know, points for or whatever. And and yeah, it was crazy. And then like two months later, very, very little. Right. <laughs> it was like the kind of gone. But I still hear people I still hear people bring it up even now yeah. um, as, you know, stuff they go do. So yeah, by all means, your experience. So we, we don't like, I don't have it on my phone now anymore. And we, my wife doesn't play anymore either. We did play it a lot longer. I mean, it was probably a good solid, maybe six, eight months, probably it was into the next year. I'm pretty sure like the next summer we were still playing it, but uh, it it was just, so I definitely didn't, at first I didn't like it. I was like, this doesn't feel like Pokemon. This is not catching Pokemon. Like there's a little bit of skill and like curving the ball, but the servers are crashing constantly. And like, I don't get six of them to choose to go battle. I can't battle other people in the streets. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but then um, my wife started playing it. You know, I showed her, she, you know, kind of got into it. And we decided, well, let's go, like, because the area that we lived, there wasn't much around. So we were like, well, let's go to the park and see, because uh, we had friends that played Ingress, and they looked at Pokemon Go and didn't really like it, and they went back to Ingress. But they said, hey, just so you know, all of the places that are in Pokemon Go were built by the people that were, because, like, in Ingress, a lot of the locations and landmarks and stuff were established by people taking pictures of them and submitting like why this is a historical place or yada yada to the developers and the developers added them to the maps right Mm. and they said it's based on the same map structure so anywhere we put one it is like a pokestop or a raid place in a gym Mm. or whatever in pokemon go and so she was like so because we play tons of ingress we know where the best locations are go here here and here so like okay cool and like, you know, one of them was downtown. One of them was like a local park. So we go downtown on like a Friday night and I have social anxiety. And so I'm like, this is going to be my worst nightmare. There's like 
there's stuff online saying that people are showing up by the millions in big cities, like flooding areas, right? I mean, it was the, it was in the several thousands yeah, it, that were downtown. Here it was it, for those first couple of and months, and I yeah. was prepared to just like cry and go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing was, is like we stepped out of the car. I looked down on my phone. I looked up, and you have people like that lock eyes with you, and they're just like, "Are you Team Instinct?" I'm like, "You betcha." <laughs> And they're like, there's a ride on over here. I'm like, yes. And like, I don't know this person. And in a situation, like if I go into a bar and somebody's like, is that scotch? I'm like, go away. I just want to be left Mm -hmm. alone. Like, (laughs) but, but all of a sudden I'm like making connections and having not even making connections. Like I didn't ask him like, Hey, what's your name? What are you guys doing? I'm just having experiences with other people who are also, you know, so a lot of more socially awkward people, a lot more of your unusual fare were downtown. And I was like, oh, this feels a lot more equal. Like, it's not all just drunk rednecks trying to beat each other up, you know, or whatever. And mm-hmm. and so it was this, like, holy crap. Like, there was, you know, there was some, like, dirty dozens talking between the three different factions where people were calling but it was like jovial and friendly right it was like red team sucks no blue team sucks you know and like Mm -hmm. and it was kind of in i felt really it was a very positive experience to be yeah surrounded by people all experiencing the same thing and like you'd see like six people just gun down the street running you know, on the sidewalk, and you're like, oh, wait, where are you guys going? Where are you guys going? And they're like, oh, Pokemon's this way, this way. You know, we found a, we found a Blastoise or whatever. And so you join them because that's a, you know, it was at the time rare thing to get. So you'd have this like gaggle of people all run down the street together, yelling out coordinates or street crossings where things were happening. And then you'd get into these other kind of shadier corners where you just find one or two people. And you could tell just by, it was like the hand swipe motion, like the finger swipe motion was just a motion that you didn't do on your phone that often. So if you saw anybody doing it, you knew immediately that that was a Pokemon Go player. And it, because it was like, it was easy to tell a Pokemon Go player from somebody checking Facebook. Right. And even. Because on the Facebook, you're scrolling with like your thumb on Pokemon Go. You're using the two fingers and sliding it forward exactly. just trying to throw a little ball. And so it was yep. just like you could tell immediately and like some people you'd like hang out with and other people you'd just be like you kind of nod and get a nod back. Like and I mean I got really into it. I was doing – I was like 3D printing a necklace with you know my team logo on it. I wanted a decal on my car like because it felt – it was the first time that like being on a quote-unquote team didn't feel like – I was, you know, talking crap on another team or another like political group or whatever, because those are teams too, and not to get too serious about it. But like, it felt like it didn't matter what team I was on. Everybody shared the same love, right? Right. So it's like, I didn't hate people that were on team blue. Like I didn't have anything against them. And I didn't think that their idea, because they were, there was literally no difference (laughs) that we were the same kind of people. So it was like, there's literally no difference. I know that I appreciate it because like, I appreciate your artwork that people on your team are making, even though I'm not going to put it, put it up on my profile. I still like it. I think it's really good art. I'm just going to put the, my team's colors up, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was a, I don't know. It was very unifying. And it also got us out a lot 
like we were already fans of like going hiking and stuff but now it gave us an excuse to go on more hikes i don't think we hiked more in any other year that we've been together than we did for that like eight month segment of pokemon go is like every day it's filling up camel packs getting strapped up you know getting good you know socks and shoes extra water granola bar go for a hike go to the park go to the park like we our dog got buff going on walks like (laughs) we got buff right (laughs) and it was i think it was really cool to see that many people getting out and i want to know what the collective number of calories burned for that app was like (laughs) right yeah it's got to be enormous yeah i mean that's the people that i hear talk about it now mostly and, and not exclusively i guess but mostly are are um people with kids and they'll still take like their kids to the park and their kids are still really into it. Um, I don't know. I don't know how the game has evolved or changed since it came out. I think I would have been a lot more interested in it if you could do straight up PVP. Like if I could just have Pokemon on my phone and then meet you and then battle your Pokemon with you or whatever. However, having just heard your explanation of what that whole event was like and, and that whole thing, I think that would have changed the mood significantly. Right. Because... You'd have min-maxers and people who get up in your face and are just like, you lost, sucker. Yeah, well, and just people just being embarrassed by it or being, yeah, there would just be more uh, hostility, I right. think, kind of baked into the whole thing. So it's probably smarter on their part because, I mean, you know, to some extent, whether I personally liked it or not, I would have to agree that, I mean, I've never seen a game. I don't know of any other example of a game bringing that many people out in that volume with that consistency because it wasn't even just one time. I mean, it was weeks that it was a super popular oh, yeah. thing and, for and then continued on parts. for some time. Like yeah. for, cause yeah. I mean, we, so we played long after, but it was largely just like, especially when it, so one of the updates allowed you to just get kind of points for walking. So, and allowed ah. you to kind of upgrade your Pokemon with just walking and stuff and we it just kept us consistent like we went on nightly walks anyway even before pokemon go but Mm -hmm. it was a way to engage in our nightly walks in a different way and so i mean we were still going on the walk might as well pull it out you know and and so we kept that you know but it did stagger down but even like three four five months later weekends at the park were twice as busy as they'd ever been and it was it was all people with pokemon go style like stickers on backs of cars and stuff and I think it it also brought a lot more people together in a way that other games hadn't. Like, yeah, I'll talk about God of War around the water cooler or something, you know, or Diablo or whatever. And a few people will talk about it launch week and you'll find little clicks of people who are excited about the game. But you won't talk about Diablo with a random stranger on the street. Yeah, well, and just the, the kind of... Um the massive cooperative gaming experience that you're having. I mean, you know, honestly, the times I think about, honestly, even land parties, I don't know that I've ever really done like a 12 person or something land party. I mean, I've done, you know, really small land party. I mean, my whole lifestyle is basically a a small person land party. Several years. Correct. But, 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 you know, only a a handful of people. Um, But I mean, like I remember when I was in high school and we were playing, like Grand Theft Auto on PlayStation 2 and like a hotel room for a basketball trip. And the whole basketball team is all in one room and we're all just passing a controller around trying to get five stars and see who could make it the farthest right. or whatever. And like that was kind of a big social gaming experience where everyone's just having fun and there's not really, 
any competition and we're all just kind of joking around um, or like a Mario party, you know, but then again, it's only four people at most, um, but done had fun times like that. But uh, I mean, just nothing even approaches the scale of, of what you're describing. Right. I mean, even in the, like, I think the biggest land party I attended was maybe 30, 40 people across a week. We had a friend whose parents would go uh, like they would take sailing trips during the summer and mm. there were two kids, uh, you know, a year or two apart in age, and they were the boy and a girl, and they were both pretty avid gamers, and they had a pretty big house. And their dad, like, helped them set up, like, 200 port hubs in different rooms in the house and ran, you know, Cat5 cable over the ceiling into the different rooms of the house. And I think they even installed like an extra breaker and allowed us to run extension cords and told us like what all the breakers were. So how many computers could run on each one. And there were different levels of extension cables running throughout this two story house with the garage. And they would pull both the cars out of the garage and leave the kids a couple hundred bucks for pizza and say, don't destroy the house. And I mean, I, I remember dragging two 15 inch CRTs and my big box computer in to to set up for a week and so it wasn't like 40 people all the time there's probably 20 people at any given time because people were working and stuff i was 18 but at any you know over the course there were you know uh, probably 60 computers set up across this house 20 of them in use in any given time but even that sounds like high school it was it was and I, i there were like two of those across two years of high school basically during the summer that i that i attended hmm. but it, even those, I mean, you would have at two or three eight-player games of StarCraft, four people playing on an Xbox against four other people playing Halo or something, you know. So you'd have, like, mm-hmm. groups of people gaming. You know, you'd have three or four people playing Half-Life and two or three other people yelling that the Half-Lifers needed to join the Counter-Strike because there wasn't enough people to play or whatever. And mm. and But it, it's still, like you said, that, like, even... Even if all 60 people were playing the same game in some tournament-style bracket, still not thousands of people. <laughs> right. It just right. dwarfed anything. Yeah, I would say actually, and I don't know what made me think of it, maybe maybe talking about multiplayer or something, but actually a mobile game that I would like to to give a shout-out to is something that I thought was really cool. And I haven't even spent that much time with it, but... Um, but it's a game that you played with me, and it's called Space Team. Oh, um, yeah. And you connect your phones together via Bluetooth. And then basically you're all on a a spaceship is the idea. And everyone gets their own screen of like control, like things to control, like whether it be panels or knobs or levers or buttons or whatever it is that you you're responsible for, but you don't know what any of it is. And it's randomized for everyone every time you play. And so then everyone's screen as you play gets these instructions and the instruction will be like, turn the discombobulator to three. Well, you might have the discombobulator on your screen, but more than likely it's on someone else's screen. And so then you have to call out, turn the discombobulator to three. Well, now one of your friends in the room with you has to, (laughs) has to find that and do it and let you know when it's, you know, that it's been done or whatever. Um, And if you don't, if the tasks that come up on everyone's screen don't get completed, then the ship, you you lose the game or whatever the ship crashes or something. And so everyone is constantly getting these little prompts and no one knows what anyone else has on their screen. And then you play for, I don't know, a minute or two, and then you you complete a stage and now you go to a new stage and now it resets and everyone gets a whole new screen and a whole new set of 
things that they have to right. control. Things would get harder, like there would be asteroids, mm-hmm. and if one person detected an asteroid, they would have to yell at everybody to shake their phone, and it would wait until everybody shook their phone at the same time to pass the event or whatever. And if you didn't, right. you'd like take damage, and one of your screens might burst into flames, and you have to like rub it to put it out or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really neat uh, game. I mean, again, it's, you know, nothing like Pokemon as far as multiplayer. No, but, but it was definitely because you could, I don't really think there was much of a limit. At least we didn't hit one. There was a limit for Bluetooth, but once you put it on Wi-Fi, you got more players. And we got like at least eight or 12 people together in a in a room playing that at one time. And that was... I think the most I was ever with was like five, oh, man. But, but either it's way. It's still really fun. And it, and it gets a lot, mm-hmm. like as you get it way up in level, if you start playing with the same group of people and start learning how to communicate in a group of people like that, and you get further in level, like it'll change from named components to like pictures. And it'll just be like, oh, flip the burger and fries to off. And and or like the, there's, a, there's a, a circle with a dot in it that needs to be set to four. And, yeah, well, because as you continue to play, eventually, like I think maybe you just said this, but like the, the little nameplates fall down and, and it all becomes distorted. Right. And yeah, no, it's super cool. Yeah, so that was really there's so there's a, a game in a similar vein that um, our nieces and nephew actually brought over to us that we got to play with them. We actually ended up playing a physical. We created a physical version of it because the mobile version was kind of bugging out, but the concept was really simple and it's, it's similar in that it's so it's called Spyfall. And Mm. it is a kind of a liar's dice sort of game. So everybody, uh, you get all the players in a room and then it puts everybody in like a location and gives them a job. And so it could be like the location is cruise ship. Then everybody will have cruise ship. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Except for one person who will just say, you're the spy. And then all of the people on cruise ship would have like a job. So you could be like waitress or cook or card dealer or captain or whatever. Right. And then the goal, it set like a five minute timer or something. And the goal was to figure out who the spy was. And you found out who the spy was because it would pick one person to go first. And the person who goes first gets to ask a question of any other person. So you could say, like, what do you see in the room? Or, you know, like, what do you see around you? And so they'd be like, oh, well, I see lots of water. And so that may tell. So if you're if you know you're on the cruise ship and they know they're on the cruise ship, water would be something like, okay, I know that you're you're cool. Right. And so Mm -hmm. the person that you asked a question of gets asked the next person and and it goes around. And basically the goal is to give enough information that other people in the location know where you are without giving away the location. And then the spy's job is to fake it based off of the information everybody else is giving and give a vague enough answer to hopefully slip by undetected while not giving themselves up as the spy and also trying to figure out the location. And at the end of the five minutes, everybody gets to vote on who they think the spy was based on your answers. And Mm. so you like get points for if you're the spy and you convince people somebody else is the spy. And then you also, the spy gets points if they guess what the location was. So Mm. if they figured out it was cruise ship, then they get bonus points for that. And like that's it was just like a really cool kind of liars style game that got a lot of people involved and it and it was you know allowed us to have some fun and and 
play around with it because you could be really, you know, you could figure out the spy really quickly sometimes, other times, because you don't want to give the spy too much information. So you can give not enough information yourself and other people think you're the spy. So mm -hmm. I don't know. That was a fun yeah. little mobile game too. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot out there. I think that mobile games are, um, you know, are also a lot of their popularity is driven by the fact that a a phone, you know, now 10 years ago, this wasn't the case, but now especially a smartphone is a pretty ubiquitous thing. And so for a person to have a smartphone, isn't that shocking? Like most people are going to have one, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. And so for a kid to have a smartphone that like their parents might want them to have a phone so that they can get a hold of them or, or whatever. And so maybe they wouldn't be interested in buying them a, a 3ds or a dedicated gaming device but they're already going to buy them the smartphone. And so now they have a device that plays games coupled with how many of the games that are out there are, you know, free to play or freemium type right. games. Um, so I think that also kind of drives the popularity of a lot. Whereas with us, you know, which obviously you've had a little bit more experience with it, but I think you're still closer to me on mobile gaming than you are to, you know, a, a, a current 12 year old kid oh, or something, right. you know what I mean? As far as how into right. it they are. Um, I don't know. I think that we're we're not as driven by exclusively having to see, search for free to play content because we're adults with you know jobs. So. <laughs> I'm, well, and we also come from like I think that it makes handheld gaming so much harder to compete nowadays because who's going to pay twenty dollars for a game when it, because like nowadays it's people have a hard time paying ninety nine cents for a game, right? They want free to play yeah. is almost exclusively where it's at with some level of microtransactions. But I mean, in our when we were growing up, like twenty dollars for a Game Boy game, and I, I mean, I actually can't even speak to the prices that much. But I would assume that was you know the realm of pricing for a, a decent quality game on most years. Just they're forty now, wow. so probably that's yeah, true. So I mean, no, <laughs> there's not. I'm not sure you can find a mobile game for forty dollars. There might be a couple of apps. Um, you can definitely spend more in microtransactions, but not like a full premium style purchasable game. Like people would just balk at it. Right. And I think nowadays because of that, because mobile gaming has driven the price of the market down so far, it makes it hard for mobile consoles to compete, which I think is where, like you said, the Switch is a smart move of being both a mobile game and, or a mobile platform as well as an HD platform. And right. being able to However, say that despite that being true you still see nintendo releasing super mario run on the the phone That's right true. so they still made a mobile specific game so my point just being that even even nintendo with their position still you know clearly feels that there's um more market share that they're not tapping into in the phone right. space um well and like you said because most people already have a phone for some reason um, and right. so if you, if you can then market a game to those people who may not normally be gamers, like maybe people like me who didn't own a Nintendo console, but like Nintendo IPs, well, I have a phone, mm -hmm. so now I can get a Nintendo IP because, you know, they're not going to put it out on PC. Then now I can have that, you know, and yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most expensive games I've seen, cause I'll go on like the Android app store and click on like, you know, top top paid top charting games or whatever. Yeah. And top paid, I'll click on that category. And I want to say that the, like the final, like the old school final fantasies and stuff, I think those are up in 
like the above the ten dollar. Yeah, range. I would say that they're probably the ones that I see in like fifteen and twenty. I think Crashlands mm-hmm. when it launched might have gone mm. fifteen on the phone. Um, Crashlands would be in. I mean, th- that's the thing though. And, and again, those games were not designed for the phone in, initially, at least. Um, or exclusively. exclusively. Initially, yes. Exclusively, no. It was designed to be a dual platform game. Well, when I say those games, I just I'm I'm lumping Crashlands and the oh, Final okay, Fantasies and all all of those more premium quality games. Like they're not made just to be phone right. games, and so they end up being like really, really, really high quality phone games. But again, I, I my point is that I think that that's because they're, they're designed with another platform in mind as well. But I don't. I mean, is there and maybe there is, and we just wouldn't know. But is there a exclusively mobile game? that has that level of 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 quality that has the story of a final fantasy game i don't or... think so and i i guess yeah. I mean, maybe i'm tainted by microtransactions but usually microtransactions crap on stories um just because by the nature if you have a story-based game then that's your content but mm-hmm. um i feel like in in tandem with that it's just it, it really is kind of a different space a lot of people that are looking for a mobile game aren't looking for something that they're going to sit down and play for 20 30 40 50 minutes or hours and yeah, hours no you're right like they're not going to play something for two hours straight like you would a pc game uh, or some pc games they're playing in micro chunks maybe two or three minutes waiting for a bus and so you have to be able right. to do something significant in a couple of minutes or less um, but right. I would say that, you know, probably they're looking at average active times in measured in minutes instead of hours. And so you you can't get a lot. You can, if you're trying to drive a deep story, how do you drive that in two minute chunks? And, right. Yeah, I think something that I um, have, I've never owned a tablet. And I think that I would probably be a lot more into mobile games if I, excuse me, if I had a tablet to play, I'm like you had mentioned towards the beginning of the show that, that you do, because I think that um, it just, it's a lot more screen real estate and just allows for a little bit, again, with my, you know, sausage fingers or whatever adds for a little easier attempt at, um, at controlling it appropriately and, and finding that enjoyable. Cause yeah, like trying to play Terraria on a smartphone and trying to to pick specific blocks to my like no thanks well and even i mean I'm, now I'm you can get a lot like the bluetooth controller that i use for my pc i can also hook up to my phone and it has an adapter mm-hmm. that you can put like clip your phone to to turn it basically mm-hmm. into a game boy so you've got the controller mm-hmm. on the bottom and the phone is, has like an angleable screen with like a hinge on it so you can angle the phone yeah. and now you've got a controller i mean likewise with the tablet i have a pen tablet like an artist tablet and that pen allows me to get that super precision. So, like, I actually prefer playing balloons on my tablet versus PC um, because the pen offers me such precision, almost more than the mouse, because I can drag it exactly where I want it and just drop it there, and it's done. Mm. And so I really – and plus, I mean, it's just, you know, the portability is really nice. If we're going on a road trip, you know, bringing the tablet and being able to play something like balloons – is just so much more fun than playing something like a Tetris, you know, something that's meant to be engaged for a longer period of time or can be engaging for a longer period of time is, you right. know, that's probably when something like Archero would have me a little frustrated is on a three hour road trip, but balloons, you yeah. can play that. That's, I can play that for hours. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we said it earlier briefly, but if anyone out there likes tower defense and you've not seen balloons, uh, which the first one I played was balloons TD5. They have balloons TD6 now, which is an upgrade over five. But even five was fantastic, and I, I, I cannot recommend it enough. It is the most satisfying tower defense game I've ever and seen, don't and I've played a lot of them. If you look at the art aesthetic and you're like, this isn't for me, download it anyway, because it probably is for you, and you just have to take that leap of faith. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, it is, it's, it's silly little monkeys shooting darts or what, you know, a wide variety of things, but um, at balloons and that's it. So, but I don't know. I've always kind of appreciated quirky tower defense. I mean, like desktop tower defense games from back at the way back in the day in the browser. I always kind of appreciated, you know, the little quirky arts and whatever for those. I so agree. Balloons fits into that category for me. Um, I, th- I think that I, what, of other things of note, like things that just I was kind of thinking of, you, when you brought up Facebook games, it did kind of hearken to like, it, which mobile games I think too is where a lot of this shows up, is that it makes me think of like Newgrounds and like you said, like web style yeah. games had a wider yeah. audience and as web style games got adapted to, to Facebook, but there wasn't, you know, at the time in early Facebook, there wasn't a credit card tie in. So there was, it was still just a new grounds. You're sharing your game for the hell of it or to get ads. Um, mm-hmm. But then moving into mobile, a lot of mobile games still have some of those. Cause a lot of the games on like new grounds and stuff were where people were largely learning how to code. So they're more akin to like game jam games, like simple fun loops that can be coded up fairly quickly there were some complex games on Newgrounds for sure but a lot of them had a single sort of game loop that you would go through yeah i know at least one of the guys that made super meat boy if not both but they were they were publishing games on Newgrounds before they you know made super meat boy and so i think that that mobile gaming kind of offered those types of games a platform Mobile gaming is a, a right. platform where you can, you're probably not going to make much, if any, money. There are tons of games that come out on, I think there's thousands a day that are coming out as new games on mobile. Right. So, like, if you're looking to make games and break into that market, you know, best of luck to you. But you at least can publish a fairly simple game. I mean, like, the Flappy Birds of the world, right? Like, we haven't mm-hmm. touched on, like, Flappy Bird and it also, you know, kind of Angry Birds sort of things. Very simple style games that are now... Angry Birds, that's a good... I can't believe we didn't bring that up. <laughs> that was... Because, well, that might be actually the first... Fran- I mean, they even made movies right. about that. And that might be the first exclusively mobile franchise that I'm aware of that was huge. Yeah. That was, like, th- yeah, just huge. And... I don't know. I'll be, I mean, I played Angry Birds and it, it, it was, it, it's a neat game. And it, I mean, the, phys, the way the physics works and everything is cool. And um, but I don't know, it was, it's still, it, and it's definitely a game of where, where you're playing the game. It's not an idle thing in any, in any yep. sense, you know, it, it's absolutely you doing it, but um, I don't know. It was never something that I could just sit and just do. For so hours, I didn't get into you know I mean? like Angry Birds, but there was, that was one of the games where like, one of their offshoots I got into really big. I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was you played as one of the pigs, and where is it where you built? Yeah, cars? you built like contraptions and cars and blimps and just played with a physics engine. It mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of like a physics engine version of the Incredible Machine, it, with because like, mm. there were like some puzzle elements to it where it wasn't just build and have right. fun, like get a rock down the bottom of the hill or something, or don't blow up and die, and. 
Right. And but I don't remember what it was called, but it was really fun. I, I had I played through a really large I, I probably spent a good month or two with that game. Yeah, I remember I remember the movie for that being announced or coming out or whatever and just being blown away because it's not even a game with story. Like, how is there a movie? And I remember thinking, like, how long will this be around? Now, I don't know what year it was that I thought that, but I haven't heard of Angry Birds in a long time now. I still so. see some ads for it and occasionally a plushie in a Walmart or something, but it's definitely wow. not. As, I mean, just seeing plushies in a Walmart was a thing that was like, what? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, you could see, like, Nintendo curated stuff was on the line of like Disney where you would see a Nintendo plushie at yeah. like a Nintendo store. Right. Or a Sonic. Right. Thing or something. And that was like, okay, everybody know they have a cartoon. So yeah. Okay, sure. But, and a lot of it was in that still in that vein of like, you aren't successful unless you have merchandising and like your show is there to sell merchandising or your game is there to sell merchandising. But with that, it was like, it was like, this was a, some mobile it like and especially because that was still very much in the era of like mobile games or throwaways right right and to see yeah. something like angry birds break out was was huge yeah no agreed so yeah i don't know i mean there's just it, it's crazy to think about the the scope of of mobile games and you know i guess this is kind of it's been fun doing these doing the show has been fun because I, I've come into so many topics thinking like, well, I don't really have, know that much about it or I don't really have that much of a experience with it or whatever. And then as we talk, it just, you know, things just get pulled out like Angry Birds or like the, the space team game, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know. So it, it, mobile gaming is definitely, it's something that's interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see as we continue moving forward, if you will see mobile games that are try and compete with, even handheld games in that same style, like, like take a game like animal crossing, you know, that's a, a hugely popular game. Now that is also on, I guess on the Nintendo console <laughs> side as well. But fair example, uh, but there are, some, well, but there are some that are exclusively made for well, yeah, And the handheld you know I mean? game usually is not as full featured as the main version, like a Minecraft or Terraria, like your animal crossing usually isn't like on a switch or a Wii or something usually has more to it than the mobile version. Right. But I mean, I don't even, are there, I don't, and again, you know, <laughs> maybe someone can email us or something examples, but is there a mobile game that has, that checks all the boxes that a game like that does, even the handheld version of it? I um, don't know. And, and I think part yeah, of it, I, I don't know. Oh, I mean, ahead. I don't think that as my, as many mobile games as I do play, I mean, I definitely pick up, I look for, those smaller two and three minute games i'm not looking i'm not going into the google play market or itunes market going mm -hmm. hey i want something that's going to engage me for hours on end that isn't something that right. i can get on pc i'm usually going to my pc for that but i do go and check out i mean i'll click on ads sometimes just because i want to like i'm not going to buy you know your microtransactions but here's three cents for a click for an ad like there you go and sometimes mm -hmm. i'll download it and see if it's worth anything and i probably delete 90 percent of them within 30 seconds like uh, and and talking to some other devs they say that when you see like three million downloads like 99 percent of those downloads are deleted within the first 30 seconds because that's what like they had similar analytics they're like we have we have six wow. million downloads and we can put that on an ad but we only have an active player base of you know a few thousand players that's why but no i mean i i can't think of a game that at least not right now with that same kind of breakout. I mean, like we said, other than something like an, like an angry birds. Um, 
Right. But even Angry Birds, I mean, if, if I bought Angry Birds on my PC, I would be right. Pissed. I mean, unless it was like $2. I think, you know, I, but... And, you know, this is wild speculation, but I think it will it won't be until like there was kind of this first merger of handheld devices and now mobile devices, like the difference between the Game Boy and a cell phone. I think that mm-hmm. there's going to be a similar jump, probably if, if slash when power technology, like battery technology, makes another leap. Where oh, right, that's a and good call. I think what's going to happen is it, it may just be PC to tablet or mobile phone. I mean, tablets and mobile phones are almost, if not as powerful as a lot of desktop PCs that aren't dedicated gaming PCs. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that jump will happen as soon as somebody can make a non-stupid um, version of a Google Glass that acts as a VR or an AR device, right? Mm. So like whenever when, – when we can get away from calling people with Google Glass hipsters or worse, more connotative names, then – and have that device also be somewhere in between a VR or an AR-type device that integrates mm-hmm. – Sometimes it'll be it'll be a device that comes with its own revolutionary type of gaming. I think that'll be because I think yeah. that that's the I think that that's why a lot of people won't don't get into VR right now is the cable. And I think that if you eliminate the cable, you also can. I mean, there were VR things that were done with like the Google Cardboard or whatever, where you you know put the phone in. Lest we forget virtual. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, it's almost a, a whole discussion of its own, <laughs> which we may get into at some it point. Is. But I think that yeah. some kind of leap like that would take things. Mobile gaming would have a new meaning at that point. Yeah, yeah, it'll have to be some experience that's independent or unique, new to it. Huh. Well, this has been a ton of fun uh, having this discussion and kind of exploring mobile gaming. It's obviously kind of the the latest frontier in gaming, and I think. As time goes forward, it will probably, I mean, I think eventually we'll see a time when consoles kind of die off. One can Um, only hope. (laughs) Well, I mean, you already see it, you know, you already see it with the cross-platform stuff. That's the demands for that. It is. They're finally conceding to. And there's still a few games on PlayStation that I just can't justify spending $400 to play three games. Like, (laughs) plus six. That's how I feel about the Switch. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, it's been a, it's been a pleasure talking with you about this and, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. Yep. Have a good Take one. care and don't forget to pick up your sticks. Mm-hmm.